better listen, my brother, cause if you do, you can hear there are voices still calling from across the years. And they're crying across the ocean, they're crying across the land, and they will until we all come to understand. Welcome to the Labor Radio Podcast Network's Wednesday weekly live stream labor talk with labor leaders discussing current labor issues. My name is Evan Papp and I'm with Empathy Media Lab and I focus on labor, political economy, art and culture and my co-host this week is Bama Thria. Bama, do you want to introduce yourself and our guests this week? Hi, great to be with everyone this week. I'm Bama Thria. I host the Gig Podcast, which is about uh, gig worker organizing worldwide. I am so delighted to be hosting this show tonight with some absolutely wonderful guests. So Neha, can we start with you? Sure. So thank you so much for having me. I am Neha Mishra, and I am the Senior Specialist for Migration at the Solidarity Center. And for those who don't know the Solidarity Center, we're an international labor rights NGO that's an allied organization of the AFL-CIO. We work on global labor rights issues around the world through 30 field offices working in over 60 countries. Great. Shannon, let's turn to you. Good evening, brothers, sisters, siblings. It's a treat to be with you all. Spend my days in my house, but officially working for the AFL-CIO doing the immigration policy work, which means that I get the privilege of working with our affiliates from all sectors, with our labor councils from all of our states and cities, and also with our, our International Trade Union Confederation and our global unions to try to, you know, shape and advance policies that, you know, ensure that all workers have rights and that we can all come together and build power to, to lift labor standards. Fantastic. JJ, how about you? Uh, I'm JJ Rosenbaum with the newly merged Global Labor Justice and International Labor Rights Forum. We're a strategy hub that supports transnational organizing by trade unions, migrant worker groups, uh, women's rights organizations, different organizations that are really trying to build power around the access of global supply chains and labor migration. Fantastic. So we are coming out of one of the worst administrations we could even imagine uh, on, you know, pretty much anything international, but certainly on, on the, these issues, migration, immigration, and labor. And we're starting a new administration. And it's so, it's exciting and hopeful in a way and, and I think it's a good moment for us to say, okay, what do we really think the right policies are? What does progressive policy look like? I do want to say, like, I'm having a very good day. <laughs> and one of the reasons is because yesterday we all learned that a uh, lovely fellow traveler activist, Julie Sue, Labor Commissioner of California, was just named Deputy Secretary of Labor. And that is amazing news for these issues, because some of us like me are old enough to remember back in the day when, when I was leading actually the International Labor Rights Forum and she was leading an, an organization, a human rights organization in California that got involved with a case of migrant workers who were trafficked and worked in sweatshops in California and worked in a sweatshop, famous sweatshop called El Monte in California. And that was how I first met her, right? So like she was, the lawyer like taking on the case and be on behalf of these migrant women workers 
who had ended up in a traffic labor situation in a factory in California. And that case became a cause to live. And I think back on that now, and I think if anyone is gonna get it, right, she's gonna get it. So that's hopeful. And that kind of is a way to kick off our conversation. Let's be clear about what we're talking about. We're talking about people who are migrating for work, right? They're not necessarily immigrants. They're migrants, they leave their countries for work. They're often called guest workers, although they're not often treated like guests. And, you know, they may want to go home again. And so to start with JJ or Shannon, tell us what the legal context is for migrant workers in the U.S. today. Like, what are the restrictions on them and, and how does that work? I think it's really relevant that you started with this Department of Labor announcement because we need to emphasize is, you know, a shift away from immigration enforcement and towards labor standards enforcement. We have pursued as a nation decades of enforcement only strategies and at the same time really been starving our labor agencies of resources, of mandate. And so the result is that right now we spend 12 times more as a country to enforce our immigration laws than we do to enforce the labor laws meant to protect 160 million workers and in, in work sites all around the country. And there's also a similarly disproportionate level of agents, which is why most employers have no real worries about an OSHA investigator showing up at their job site because there are just too few of them. And so we really do need to see a, a rebalancing um, of those priorities. And we've had very foreseeable consequences from that such disproportionate investment. And this is one of the things that enables and empowers the, the exploitation in our work sites and employers really have very little reason to fear consequences for that as a result. And so this is a critical moment to reimagine the structure of these programs that have really basically served the agenda of making a disposable workforce in the global economy and commodifying workers in ways that have a lot of very ugly racial and gender undertones in the way that they've operated. JJ, I would love for you to jump in because I know you've worked directly with migrant workers, right? And so you know, just what are, what are things like in the context that, you know, we have to, in the legal context we have today? And, and you know, what, is, what does it look like for them? Well, I think Shannon's point is really important because we have broken or some would say rigged immigration system that works really well for employers and is really problematic for workers and people and families and refugees and most people that are on the move. And so while there's about uh, our Estimates with EPI are about a million and a half folks on guest worker visas, temporary work visas tied to an employer. You know, there's 11 million undocumented people in the country, many of whom also traveled for work. So you sort of have people locked into these captive labor systems that Shannon talked about and locked out of other rights through a lack of status. And a recent report by Forward US estimates that 5 million undocumented people are working as essential workers right now. A million of those as dream, are dreamers. And so I think we have to really have a holistic approach to getting people on a path to permanency, on a path to full labor rights, as Shannon was saying. I mean, that's really the baseline. If there's not a competition where employers can save money by cheating immigrant workers and migrants, then there's a lot of the problems will work themselves out. 
and this is really a global phenomenon, I think, and I know Neha will speak more to this. And, you know, we're, we now have the global compact on safe and orderly migration. I think one thing that we at GLJ ILRF hope is that the U.S. will engage and will lead on a labor rights approach to this. Fundamentally, labor rights and freedom of association have to be at the forefront of, of labor and migration policy, both in the national context and in our uh, international diplomacy. Yeah, Neha, so if you could talk a little bit about what the context is like for migrant workers in other countries. Sure, Bama, and, and just building on what Shannon and JJ were saying, the the infrastructure, the systems, the, the structures that are in place to manage migration in the United States are emulated around the world. And it's just become the predominant paradigm to treat workers as disposable, create temporary migration programs that really benefit employers and governments of countries of origin and countries of destination in terms of remittances that workers send back and not having to deal with unemployment, et cetera. But that, that system that is in place in the United States, we see everywhere in the world in, in the wealthier countries, whether it's Europe, Canada, Malaysia, in Asia, the, the GCC countries, it, it replicates itself. And I think what this horribleness of COVID has shown a spotlight that we have evidence now, we have stories, we have data we can put before policymakers and say, you can't hide anymore. You know, we're everything that we've been saying to you for 10 years, 20 years, JJ Shannon, Bama, yourself, like two governments that these temporary migration programs are exploitative. They are structurally flawed. And here's why what we've been saying to them has been proven in COVID. So when we've said to governments that, you know, by not allowing workers freedom of association in other countries when they migrate is a problem. We saw that in COVID that when, you know, when workers either got laid off, they weren't given their severance pay, there was huge wage theft, like wage theft has always been a problem for migrant workers, but it has been exponentially a, a bigger problem under COVID because employers were so desperate as the economies were crashing, they just fired workers and didn't pay them what they were owed. We've been saying that for years, there has to be protections against that. And freedom of association with unions would have allowed unions to negotiate with employers for protection. Occupational safety and health protections. Like we've been saying forever, you know, that workers should be able to have a say in the safety of their own workplaces. And we've shown in these formal, regular, not just not undocumented, but workers that come through legal with a visa anywhere around the world, that they were have been denied proper occupational safety and health equipment, uh, personal protection equipment. And the biggest thing, as Shannon was talking about, these, these programs and the way global migration is structured as a practice around the world, it excludes migrant workers from social safety net protections, excludes them from healthcare and medical care, from act to access to income stabilization. I am very confident that the new administration is gonna come back in to the global compact for migration process and because of appointments of people like Julie Sue, that hopefully we can push them to have a more progressive agenda and voice in these multilateral institutions where there are still a lot of other authoritarian governments who have a loud voice within the UN system, that hopefully the US can play a leading role again as a progressive voice, even different from the Obama years. You better listen, my brother, because if you do, you can hear there are voices still calling from across the years. And they're crying across the ocean, they're crying across the land, and they're willing 
come to understand. None of us are free. None of us.